Good morning. And uh, welcome to everybody here in, in the online service and, and internet and all that. And uh, let's have an opening prayer. Father, we come this morning to say thank you. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And as we come, we come asking, Lord, that you would cause us to, through your Holy Spirit in us, Lord, to, to, to set aside all the things that are distracting. And uh, with so many things vying for our attention right now and concerns, we just ask, Lord, right now that you would clear our minds and, and draw us into worship as we sing, as we open your word together, as we pray together, as we share in communion together, Lord, that and that you would strengthen our walk with you and and just cause us to rest in you and be able to take away from today things that will cause us to rest in you the rest of this week, Lord. And we worship you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. We're ending our love chapter and. We, uh, so we have lots of songs about God's love for us. And I wanted to open with a passage from Psalms 36. <clears throat> Psalms 36, 5 reads, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the might, is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. <clears throat> Will you stand with us in worship? Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice flows like the ocean's tide. Your love, O oh Lord, it reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice flows like the ocean's tide. And I will lift my eyes to worship you, my King. And I will find my eyes direct in the shadow of your wings. Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountain. 
Your justice flows like the ocean's tide. And I will lift my eyes to worship you, my King. And I will find my eyes to rise in the shadow of your wings. And I will lift my eyes to worship you, my King. And I will find my eyes to rise in the shadow of your wings, your love, O oh Lord, it reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness, it stretches to the sky. announcements this morning and just uh, a couple of things to draw to your attention. Um, the the women of the word are going to start up this uh, uh, in a few weeks, uh, September 17th, Thursday, September 17th. And uh, our community group uh, that was meeting at my house will start up uh, Tuesday, September 15th. And uh, the the community group meets at six and the women's group meets at what ten o'clock, right? Huh? Okay. And uh we're going to be meeting here at the church so we can maintain uh the social distances and all the things that are involved with that. And uh so uh we just we felt it was time to get some of our activities going again. So those will be coming up. Um the uh oh and daily breads are are here. Uh there's some on this counter out here and then some on the table back here. So feel free to pick one up. And if you know somebody that's a shut in or somebody that's not here, uh that uh maybe uh hasn't you know not coming because of the social grouping, this type of thing, uh feel free to take an extra one or two and, and share them. Um Way of prayer needs this morning. Uh, Jackie Davis, uh, her son has, uh, uh, Garrett has had a follow up, uh, exam on his eye last week and it showed the, the laser surgery went well and the eye is healing very well. And, uh, in fact, it's healing faster than what was expected. So that's good news. Uh, I think there's more. Things yet to happen and have to to be done, but uh, he's on the right. It's on the right track. Uh, continue to pray for Jackie as well because she continues to have uh, leg pain and, and problems in in that area. So just keep her in prayer. She should be a regular on our prayer list. Kay Morris is back in the hospital. She had uh, a very serious infection in her back surgery wound. And it went clear to the bone. And so uh, it's uh, created uh, quite a bit of problems. So she's going to be there for a few days more at least. And uh, just keep her in prayer. Uh, Diane Van is 
also was back in the hospital. She should be coming home today. Uh, they, their diagnosis was that she had a, uh, minor stroke. And so, uh, there's been several problems with that over the last several months. So the prayer is that her, she asked, the prayer she asked for would that the doctors would be able to discern what it is that is wrong, uh, that her body is doing and be able to correct it. Um, Joanne Farnsworth is at home and, uh, doing very well. Uh, she wants to say thank you for all your prayers and, uh, those of you who've provided meals, uh, thank you very much. And, she does have to go back for another surgery on her leg because they're going to have to remove the rod that they put in to, to stabilize her leg. So uh, that's uh, and it'll mean another six weeks at Granada uh, as a follow up. Uh, but uh, I was being shared with this morning that Granada has a system now where uh, they can bring a patient out to a visiting area that has a plexiglass. And so, uh, you know, you one person on either side, obviously. And so uh, keep that in mind is if you happen to be in Eureka, call, make an appointment. And if you're going up to Eureka for maybe going up to Costco or anything else, call and make an appointment and, and just stop by and see her for a few minutes. And that's all she can visit for is a few minutes, but she would, really, I'm sure, enjoy it very much. Um, other things to keep in prayer uh, are... Firefighters and these fires that continue to just uh, take its toll, uh, the hurricanes that have been going on, the COVID-19, obviously, all the people that have suffered loss uh, in in the sense of loss of life as well as loss of, of property, uh, just keeping uh, all of this up in prayer. Um, you know, my prayer is, all, is God bring comfort as only you can bring and uh, encouragement and 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 help uh especially believers reaching out and ministering so uh keep those things in prayer and then i i don't think it's too soon to start telling people to pray for the elections and people think in terms of well praying for the presidential elections and it was the major things but some of the ones that influence or affect you the most are the ones that are local so be sure you research those things out and, and bring those up in prayer as well. Praying for our local leaders and, and the offices that are up for re-election uh, re right now. So those are the things I have on my list. It's pretty extensive. Is there anything else I need to add this morning? Let's pray together. Father, we come this morning to say again, first, thank you. We know that you have told us that we can come with an, a, a sense of, of confidence before your throne to ask for your mercy and your grace. And we do so on behalf of those on our prayer list today, for Kay, for Diane, uh, for Joanne, for Jackie and her son, Garrett. Uh, we just ask that you would be with them, bring healing, wisdom to the doctors as they minister to them, and uh, just give them the confidence, uh, just that that absolute they know that they know that they know the god of all creation their savior is with them and uh, just let them rest in that peace uh and i think especially of, of Kay and diane who are going through repeats uh, that were unexpected and and just ask that you would uh 
be with them. And then again with Joanna's this upcoming surgery that she'll be going back into Granada for several weeks just to, to again be with them and bring them comfort. We think of all these fires and, and we ask, Lord, that you would continue to be with the firefighters and the hurricanes and, and all the damage that's been caused by those things. And then certainly the, the virus. We bring it to you and ask, as we said, Lord, that you would bring your peace, bring your comfort as only you can bring. Bring your encouragement and, Lord, bring help alongside. Uh, and this is a time for us as believers not only to pray but to look for opportunities to reach out. And we ask, Lord, that 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 you would give us your eyes and your ears, uh, your 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 sensitivity to what's going on around us, that we would be prepared to minister during this time of, of frustration, confusion, and 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 pain and suffering. Lord, we also bring the elections to you. We are told very, very specifically, we're to pray for our leaders. And I, I don't think it's uh, inappropriate to pray for our leaders before they're even chosen in the sense that you know uh, ahead what is to come. Uh, but, Lord, we pray for the elections that, that what will happen will be according to your purpose. And then we ask, Lord, that you would bring people across the paths of all of our leaders that would encourage them to walk with you. Lord, we thank you again as we commit this time to you that you would open our ears and our hearts, our minds to receive through the songs and through your message, through communion together, the blessings of your kingdom. Just thank you, Lord, so much that we can rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can stand. You're welcome to stand. Highest heights or darkest deep, be there pain or poverty, there is nothing that can keep my Redeemer's love from me. All alone, though I may feel all the world my enemy, still there's no one that can steal my Redeemer's love from me. All the love of my Redeemer, never failing, come what day. He has purchased my forgiveness and has washed my sins away. Although burdened by the weight of great trial or tragedy, none of these can separate my Redeemer's love from thee. Though the earth's foundations shake, driving wind or raging sea, neither death nor life can take my Redeemer's love from me. 
love of Jesus, fast unmeasured, boundless free, rolling as a mighty ocean, and its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love, leading onward, leading homeward to my glorious rest Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus spread His praise from shore to shore. How He loveth, ever loveth, changeth never, never more. How he watches for his loved ones died to call them all his own. How for them he interceded, watches over them from the throne. Oh, the deep, deep Love of Jesus, love of every, love of the best. Tis an ocean, vast of blessing. Tis a haven, sweet of rest. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, tis a heaven of heavens to be, and it lifts me up to glory, for it lifts me up to May be seated.
Well, we've made it. It's our last message in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, the love chapter, as it's frequently called. Uh, and what this chapter has done for us, and hopefully it's, it's done for you as, as I've studied it and you've listened and studied and read, that it has detailed God's great commandment. What is God's great commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, or with all your mind. Both are written that way. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. And this chapter has brought detail to what that means and to understand it better. Another important scripture that goes with this is, uh, again, one familiar to you, I'm sure, is uh, in the book of, of Galatians, uh, and Paul's writing to them as he, as, as he put this together in, in chapter 5 of Galatians, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and desires. And so, again, some of these words we've even seen used in this other scripture out of 1 Corinthians 13. The idea is that we have his love to work with. His His love is for us. And I believe uh, that when it says here the fruit of the Spirit is love, that's where it stops. The fruit of the Spirit is love manifested in these different ways. And just as we got into the book of, of, of the chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, we're talking about love manifested in different ways, the things it does and the things it does not do. Uh, so uh, I, I wrote it down here for in, in uh, my notes, you know, the last 13 weeks or counting today, the 14 weeks, uh, we've, we've been taking love apart. We've been looking at things into individual pieces. Um, how, you know, love is, is, we, you know, the first few verses, love is greater than, than the way I would speak. Love is greater than spiritual gifts. Love is, is greater than personal sacrifice. Without love, if I'm speaking, I say nothing important. Without love, I'm nothing. Without love, I gain nothing. When we get down to verses uh, 4 through 7, we start parsing love into detail and looking at different aspects of it. And then verses 8 through 12, we come to that uh, Paul's uh, writing where it says, finally, love never ends. And what it, when we understand this, love never ends, we have to think about it in the sense that God is love. We'll get to that in a, in a minute. But God is love. John, First John says, God is love. And so if God is eternal, his love is eternal. And his love that he, he lavishes out on us is eternal. And the love that we rest in and return in, in, in our worship, and we'll be getting into that over the next few weeks, uh, is, is, will last forever. It will go on. So it never ends. And I think that there's to be for us a sense of great comfort that the things that, that are, are comforting here in the sense of God's love and his mercy and his grace 
are going to comfort us through all eternity. They're going to be a part of, of, uh, of our relationship with the Father. Love never ends. That brings us to verse 13, the final verse, which is, uh, in a sense, uh, I look at as a summary and a call for me to put things back together. We've been spending all this time taking it apart. Got to put it back together. And so uh, verse 13, it says, so now faith, hope and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, love abide. These three, but the greatest is love. If we look at verses uh, 7 and 8 of chapter 13, we see these brought together there as well. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The idea here is 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 where it says bears all things is that it covers, protects, like a uh, like a roof over a house would protect or cover somebody from the 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 weather and from the heat and from the cold. Uh, it's what it means here for it to bear all things, covers all things, protects all things. Love believes all things. This is faith. God, love brings us into a relationship of faith. Love hopes all things. To have hope here is to have a confidence in God's promises. When we read through Scripture, uh, I, I have to confess there are times where I'm saying, you know, this sounds bigger than is possible. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but it's, especially as I was growing uh, in my first steps, especially in the Lord, the more I would learn, I would say, "Wow, this is overwhelming. This is—it's it, too much to conceive. It's—it's it's beyond comprehension." And that's where hope comes in—the hope that the Holy Spirit gives us that that God is going to keep all His promises. As we go through Scripture, we we you know we'll maybe catch glimpses of the biggest promises, eternal life, and the things that come with that. But after we read more and more and we see what goes with each other, we realize that the, the, the scripture is full of promises, things that are going to deal with our relationship with God for eternity. And it's all because of the love he has for us. It's what we've been singing about this morning. I so appreciate the songs that the worship uh, team has been picking out to go with the message. It's, it's just they're so perfect in, in the sense of uh, preparing us. So we have this love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures. It, it, it's, it's eternal. It never ends. And how these parallel, like I said, with the, the, the last verse here, uh, where it, you know, faith, hope, and love abide. This word abide is that it continues to be. It goes on and on and on. It has no stopping point. It continues to be. It does not perish. It lasts. <laughs> it endures. And, and it's not just one of those things, but it's the concert of that together. It, in, it, it outlasts 
everything else. God's love will stand when everything else has fallen. It abides forever. It never ends. The only love that can do this does not come from man. I cannot generate this kind of love. There is a war going on. Romans chapter 7 talks about a, a war in my, in my body that's going on. And, and it's the flesh against the spirit. The spirit says, I want to follow after God. The flesh says, I want to be satisfied here and now. And this battle goes on and on in our lives. And I, I look at that and I, and I, and I sometimes found myself coming to God and saying, you know, Lord, I, I thought that the, the longer I walked with you, the more I read, the more I understood, the easier it was going to get that this battle would be less of a problem. And in some ways, it has become less of a problem. Certain things that absolutely interrupted my life and bothered me as my, in my early walk as a Christian are no longer a problem. But in the midst of that, as I get to know God more and the things that pleases him through reading his word, the more I understand how, how awesome he is and how much sin I have. Most of you have heard my artichoke story. The way I use that to compare it as uh, as to our walk with the Lord. The idea of, uh, and again, you have, I don't, is there any artichoke connoisseurs in here? You love your artichokes? Yeah, okay. I can remember going down south, uh, where we lived, uh, you'd go up to Salinas and you, you know, it'd be 10, 15 artichokes for a dollar. <laughs> it was, you know, but, but the idea of the artichoke for all you connoisseurs, especially is to what? Get to the, the heart. Okay. So you, you, you got all these leaves that you, you can use and some people don't even eat the leaves. They don't care. They just go right to the heart and, and, and go that route. But, but the leaves have meat on them. And so you're sitting here, you're dipping it in some kind of butter sauce or some kind of, 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 of sauce and mayonnaise. Well, I didn't want to say mayonnaise because that some people think that's gross. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm the mayonnaise person. Uh, and, and so you, and, and you, you, Put it in, and you so that the meat is against the bottom teeth. Then you kind of bite down on it and pull it, and it pulls the meat off the leaf. And the first few leaves are, are you might even pull them off and not bother with them because they're kind of crusty and hard and thick, and they it's it doesn't work very well. And then you get to the further into the middle of it, and it, they, they, it gets easier and easier. And then the next thing you know, you're towards the the last third of the leaves, and they they come right out, and and you eat the whole, almost the whole leaf. Except for the very end of the, the, the leaf that has a little hook on it, a little thorn on it. You know, an artichoke is a weed. It's a thistle. And so, I don't know how many of you have ever seen an artichoke when it fully blooms, but when it does, it exposes all this, almost like a dandelion. Uh, uh, and, and it, it, that's how it, it recedes. Okay. But, when you cook an artichoke to eat it, when you get to all, to all these leaves and the leaves are finally gone and you now want to get to the heart of it, what do you have to do? 
You've got to scrape out the thistle because you've we've cooked it before it's bloomed. We've cooked it before it's it would be what would be by definition ripe. We've cooked it, and and so you you take some people take a knife and scrape it. Some people scrape it with a spoon. And what came to me was as I was complaining about things not getting easier, a picture of the artichoke. And God says, your heart is like this artichoke. I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going in the right direction here, but okay, Lord. And he says, yeah, we're finally down to the, to, to getting to the heart, to get to the heart of the matter of, of, of your walk with me and the deep seated sin in your life that has underlied all the other things that you've had victories over and this type of thing. We're now having to scrape out. Now thinking of that, I'm, I, I'm good at personification. I, I think of that heart having feelings. Uh, if I'm scraping it and it had feelings, it would be painful. Now I've had my heart scraped a little bit, <laughs> if you will, and in a couple of heart surgeries. And I will tell you, it was painful recovering from that. You know, so I'm thinking that's where God is. And, and the older we get with the Lord, the closer we're getting to that point. That might be the, you know, you might get there fast, you might get there slow, but the bottom line is, is that this is a process that goes on for the rest of this physical life. The scraping of the heart, the getting to the, the heart of the matter of, of sin, and then getting to the exposing your heart so that God can, can come and, and, and minister to you. Opening up to God. And so this, this picture of, 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 of God's love is, is so powerful that, uh, that he, he will not give up. He, you know, he, you know, he doesn't tire of, of ministering to us in such a way as to change us. When I foul up, he says, okay, come and confess your sin. I will restore you to all righteousness as if you had not sinned. I, you know, he stands there and, 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 and receives us, loves us, and through the blood of Christ, he receives us and, 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 and ministers to us in such a way as the desire is to cause us to become holy as what? He is holy. We can, can't do this on our own. Just as we can't have this love that we're talking about here on our own, we can't have this holiness on our own. And so we proceed to to say, okay, God created me, what? A clean heart. Restore unto me the uh, 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 right spirit and, and, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. You know, keep me in your graces, Lord. The only way this happens is that we come to God and admit we are absolutely unable to do this on a, at all. We can't do it at all. We can't even do a little of it correctly. We live in this fallen flesh. I think of, of the end of, of, of Romans chapter 7 uh, where, where Paul's been talking about the, 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 the battle that goes on and, and he says, I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And then this this verse, which is 
all of us crying out, wretched man, wretched woman, wretched person that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And when he's speaking of this body of death, he's speaking of this physical body that will die because of sin. Originating with Adam's, and, and, and death entered the world through Adam's sin, but I didn't need Adam's sin to cause my own death. I, I, my sin is sufficient. And so it's a body of, uh, of death. What is going to deliver me from this body of death? And then this powerful verse, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And so what he's saying is this battle is going to go on as long as I am alive. Uh, this getting down to the heart of the matter, the things that are, are deepest seated in our heart, God wants to get rid of all of it. His desire is to bring us into a holy relationship with him. One that recognizes who he is. And God doesn't need this recognition from us. What he knows is that it will benefit us to recognize that he is the creator of all things and he is the sustainer of all things. We realize that by being in a relationship with him, we understand creation better. We understand the, the world we're in better. We understand the condition of the flesh better. We understand all of these things in such a way that, that, that we can weather the storms of this world. God's perfect love is what we're talking about here. John 3.16. God so, and I can say it this way because the word is agape here. God so perfectly loved, even though the word perfectly is not there, it's implied by the word agape. God so perfectly loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's one of the first promises I, I began to understand. If I confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, I am saved. I have eternal life. So there is an act of faith, I believe. An act of hope. I believed in a promise that he's going to complete. And, and and it's resting in the reality of his love for me. So my faith, my hope is is uh, is tied to his love. And I want you to understand these things are tied together in such a way that we should be so careful. We we are so Western in the way we think that we when we parse everything and take it apart. And I don't know how many of you have been recall your your days of of language skills and language classes in grammar school, especially when you had to diagram sentences. The girls and I were talking about that just a little bit ago, you know, diagramming sentences. And you're sitting here and, you know, subject, verb, you know, uh, direct object, you know, the, the, the dangling participles and all the other things that have special lines that go here, there and everywhere. And, and it's, it's the, you know, the reality is, is that we're parsing, we're taking everything apart. Now, when you do that, you run the risk of missing the point of the whole sentence. 
But the idea is to understand all these parts of speech add to the understanding of what the subject is, what the verb is telling you to do. And so after we're done taking it all apart, we do what? In a sense, put it back together to understand it. The being able to diagram it and take it apart is the ability to come to understand what it's saying. That's what we've been doing for 14 weeks here in 1 Corinthians 13. We've been taking apart the idea of God's love, all the different facets of it, what it does, what it doesn't do, how it affects us. And now we're looking at, at, at the reality that it is something that lasts forever. It endures forever. Uh, it, it, it never ends. And, and the greatest picture of it, you know, he says, faith, hope, and love abide, endure together. The greatest of these is love. You realize we can't have faith. We can't have hope without God's love existing first. In fact, it's his love that has reached down to us, according to Ephesians, and touched us in such a way as to draw us to him. And then it abides, continues to be, does not perish, lasts forever, endures on and on. God's perfect love. Interesting, in, in another key verse in understanding love, we just did for, uh, John 3.16, uh, is to take a look at 1 John 3.16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Sound familiar? It's almost it's it's a, a restating of what we just talked about in first of uh, John three sixteen, and we, in response to this, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. In other words, there's something that happens when we rest in God's love, and God's love gets into us. It starts to do what? Trans. Us. I started to use the word change again, and that's not what it does. It transforms. It doesn't just change in the sense of give you a new understanding. It, it, it metamorphoses. It changes us. We're going from tadpole to frog, if, if you want, but it's a, it's, it's a different kind of picture here. And it causes us in the desire to care about our brothers, our friends, our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and even our enemies. Love your enemies. I mentioned Corey Ten Boom and her his and his her, his, her sister. I think it was Anna. Uh, huh? Oh yeah. Okay. And and uh, and how her sister had this attitude towards the German guards, no matter what they did. She prayed for them, in a sense, blessed them in her in her in her prayers, and and you know it was the idea was this is what God wants us to do for our even our enemies. That you can't do. Corey, raised in a Christian home all her life, couldn't find that at times. God's perfect love working through us. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? If you are 
with someone who has a need, you have the ability to meet that need in your pocket and you refuse. It's saying, are you really a believer? Are you really part of God's kingdom? Now, don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean that every time we fail to do what God wants us to do, we have to we, we look at it and we're walking in and out of salvation or that we've never been saved. What I'm getting at is that there's supposed to be a change of heart going on that at some point in time in our life, we realize what we have isn't our own. Everything that we have is God's to use through us. God's love abides in him. Little children, let us not love in word or talk but in deed and in truth. Let us love in deed and in truth. In other words, active. To have faith, to hope, those are, are, are describing what comes in us, but love is the action that God is looking for us to show our faith, to show our hope in him, so that eventually someone will ask you, why are you the way you are? Why do you do things the way you do? That's what Peter talks about. And it gives us the opportunity to share what God is doing in us. In First John, also in chapter 4, I, I, as you start to read this, it's like reading scriptures. It's, uh, you almost want to sing it, you know, but I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God has made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that love, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the one that pleases God's judgment, satisfies God's judgment for us. And of course, he throws that back in here again. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God, in fact, right here in this verse, it says, God is love. His very nature, his very character. So I, I, I was trying to put this together in a summary, in a sense, for me. It's important to see for us that faith and hope and love are 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 bound together. They're they're parts of a whole, if you will. And 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 we see different parts of that in the sense of how it works. Here in 1 Corinthians 13, all the different kindness, patience, you know, this type of thing. Um, and as a part of the whole, uh, each is needed for the other to work in its fullness. You can't say I'm a Christian. And this is what John is basically saying. And it's kind of hard, you know, and some people uh, uh, don't like to hear what John says. And James says the same thing, basically, you know. It's going, your love for God is going to result in your works. You are going to do the things of the kingdom of God that God needs you to do and wants you to do. You're going to share. You're going to minister. You're going to lift up. You're going to come alongside. You're going to good Samaritan people. I have to think about how I just said that. 
but we're going to be come alongside people as they have needs and minister. Each is needed for the other to work in its fullness. Faith, belief in God, and believed belief in his word, God breathed. God, who is love, breathed this word. Therefore, this word reveals what? The love of God. Everything is geared to us to understand him so that we might what? Become holy as he is holy. To understand what that means and to realize we cannot get there. We can't even take the first step in our own strength. We need God's intervention, his Holy Spirit, to open our eyes to his glory and to his love and to his mercy and to his grace. He gives us the faith to believe. And then we, we, we have this picture of, of hope, a confidence. And I put here, not a wish, but an I know. This hope is not I wish something would happen, but that I know this is going to occur. I know that if someone confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus is the Christ, uh, the Son of God, that God raised him from the dead, he shall be Say. I have a confidence that the God who is, is, who is, who has given us his word will accomplish, accomplish it and he will keep it. And I wrote it this way on purpose. The God who is. He has no beginning. He has no end. The God who is eternal who, you know, uh, he has given us his word, he will accomplish every single promise he has made in here will come to fruition. And that's a very personal thing for each and every one of us because he says in, for each and every one of us that have confessed him, he is going to complete the work he has started in us. We will be holy and able to be in his presence eternally because of what he has done. For us. All his promises. I look at it, 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 it uh, going back again to the book of Romans. Uh, I, I was looking at chapter eight and just since I left off on chapter seven, there is no verse one of chapter eight. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, we're outside of the judgment. There's no condemnation. Even though we have this battle going on with the flesh, who's going to deliver us? Christ Jesus, the Lord. And as a result, God looks at us and does not. He, the condemnation has been put on Christ. He has paid it all. And as a result, I am resting in him. I think of the song that, that we'll be singing uh, at the end. It, it says, why should I gain from his reward? The song that we sing for communion today. I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. It was his sin that it was my sin that held him on the cross. It it says held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. 
I know that it is finished. When Jesus said it was finished, it was done. I, I, I don't have anything to bring to it. He has paid it all. And it's a done deal. It's finished. It's accomplished. There's nothing to add to it. You look in Romans, uh, again, chapter 8, you look at verse uh, 11. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. When does that happen? At the point of confession, at the point of salvation, God's Holy Spirit dwells in us. He who has raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is a promise. For all who are are led to the spirit by the spirit of God are sons of God or children of God. We've been adopted as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, which means we have a personal, intimate relationship with him. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. All of these promises. I love the picture of God's love worked out in Zechariah chapter 3. Says, then he showed me the high priest Joshua standing before the angel of the Lord. This isn't Joshua the Mo, Mo, of, of Exodus. This is uh, Joshua was a common name. Uh, he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. Who's the angel of the Lord? Jesus. If it said an angel of the Lord, we it wouldn't. But the angel of the Lord is Jesus, and and. It says, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. So Joshua has, he's standing before the Lord and at his right hand is, is Satan and Satan's getting out his list. And, 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 you know, I, I look at it like one of those rolls of, of old printer paper, you know, and he just he comes down and he's got this list. He says, I know this guy. I know everything that he's done. Okay, and he's ready to be there. He is the accuser. It says, standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Satan didn't get to read any part of his list. God says, rebuke you for even coming here to interfere with this. In a sense, he says, you have no business here. Now, Joshua, uh, again, was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him, he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head. And clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. What a powerful picture of God's grace and mercy. What did Joshua deserve? Everything that was on that list that Satan had that was ready to accuse him. Joshua was guilty. But God took his wrath, his judgment. It came of propitiation, brought peace before the throne of God. On behalf of Joshua. And as a result, he says, 
in a, in that picture, I think of, you know, Satan, re, you know, uh, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Uh, it, it would be us kind of saying, get behind me, Satan. You keep throwing up my old sins at me that I have brought before the throne of God and asked for forgiveness and have received forgiveness. And they are done and deal. I come under the, the, the blood of Christ and, and they're, they're, they're gone. I don't need to go fishing them out of the deepest part of the sea where God put them. Satan would like us to. Finishing up here, I'd like to go back to the book of Romans one more time. Romans chapter 5. Paul writes, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's such a powerful picture. Again, faith and hope, mercy and grace, patience and kindness, all the things that go with this, it originates with God. And God wants it to flow through into us and through us to other people. And people will say, they will know we are, we are Christians by our love. Jesus, that's what he told the disciples. Continuing in Romans chapter 5. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. These promises we can rest assured will be all accomplished. Everything that he is saying here is, is true. It's, it's by faith that we believe in it. We have the hope that it will be all finished and accomplished. And again, it's not a, a wish form of hope. It's a definitive, I know that I know. I'd like to ask the ladies to come back up and, and, uh, Share the song that we have, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, as we prepare for communion. Uh, if you want to open the, the communion things, uh, again, I think most of you are familiar with it now, but you pull the, the, the tab down and it releases that little thin film that exposes the bread. And then you pull up on that tab and it opens the cup to the juice. Thank you.
deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch his How great the pain of searing love. The Father turns his face away as wounds which bore the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross. My sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice. Call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there. Until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. His wounds have paid my ransom. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as he talks about the Lord's Supper, he says, I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, again, we come and say thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the word it is the words it is finished coming from the cross. We receive that as grace accomplished, salvation purchased, allowing for all who confess and believe they might be saved. We ask, Lord, that you would cause us to take the scriptures that we have today and rest in them in such a way that you would strengthen our walk with you. Encourage us, Lord, to be in your word, to be in prayer, to be in thanksgiving on a regular basis for all that you have done. We worship you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we close, I just want to share uh, a, 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 one more passage. It's found in Colossians chapter 1. This is how we are to approach our pursuit of God. One of the ways that, 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 that is mentioned in Scripture. Paul is speaking to the Colossians, and this is uh, he is praying a prayer of thanksgiving. And, and thanking the Lord for all that he's seen in the Colossian church and, and all that's happening. And, and he adds to this, he says in verse 9 of chapter 1, So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, if I put that in the right understanding, say increasing in the knowledge of God, it takes me right back to verse nine, being filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and to walk in a manner worthy, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit. It's called the Colossian cycle. And it's, it's, it's once we, it's, it's never, it's a never ending reason cycle in our life with Christ as as we seek him and his word and growing in who he is it's a lifetime investment of studying his word and and the only other thing I want you to to see is the awesomeness of who he is from the same chapter chapter one the preeminence of Christ he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. People say how things hold together. I look at this piece of wood and I say it's solid wood, but you realize that there's neutrons, electrons and all these weird things moving around in it. And I don't understand how that happens. And they want to come apart, but they can't because something's holding them together. I believe it is what I just read to you. 
uh, that all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. It's his word that holds all things together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Not that he was created in any way, but firstborn from the dead, meaning that he is the one that has all the rights of the firstborn child. In the Hebrew culture, that means that all is his. He inherits everything from the Father, and then he shares it with us so that we can say from Romans, we are joint heirs with Jesus, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Amen. Would you stand as we close, and uh, let's have a, a quick word of prayer. Father, we ask that you would go with us, be with us, cause us to be the people of, of your kingdom that you ask us and want us to be. Give us your eyes, your ears, your sensitivity, that we would see the things that we need to reach out to in the world around us to show your love and your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned, unclean. For me it was in the garden, he prayed not my will but thine. He had no tears for his own griefs, but sweat drops and blood for mine. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. In pity angels beheld him and came from the world of light to comfort him in the sorrows he bore for my soul that night. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. He took my sins and my sorrows, he made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. When with the ransom they glory, his face I at last shall see. Twill be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. Oh, how much.